Well, I think you know what we've been teaching about all year on Wednesday nights. What's it called? Real life. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day in a, in a store and they were asking a little bit about the church. And they said, are y'all just one of those feel-good churches? And I said, well, eventually. And she said, what does that mean? And I said, well, we, we have to talk about stuff, but we come around to the good news. We have to get, you know, and you, you can't just be, everything's happy, everything's swell, butterflies, Jesus, angels, rainbows, you know. You, you have to talk about the real deal stuff because the good news uh, is good because of the other news, you know. So we have, we have to deal with real life, and that's what we've been doing all this year. And we actually, I feel uh, very prompted, directed that this next year, that's what we'll continue to do. And we're going we're gonna to hit continue to hit some real life subjects. And the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at overcoming your upbringing. And uh, this is not slamming on parents here. This is talking about all the people involved in our formative years that have somehow uh, impacted us, uh, perhaps in not such a positive way. And what do we do with that? And um, I've taught two weeks already. I'm going to teach on this tonight. And then next Wednesday night, I'm going to conclude this teaching um, but very important that you get all the parts of that, okay? Because this is all designed to, first of all, help you, and then second of all, to do what? To help you to help some other folks. Isn't that the goal? I mean, the goal is not just so we can be more comfortable. That's wonderful. But as long as we're here, we're on mission, okay? And uh, we comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. And uh, we help. Remember this, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit. Just as hurt people hurt people, helped people help people, healed people heal people, found people, find people, and so forth. And uh, we have responsibility. We're going we're gonna to be talking a lot about that in the new, in the new year, that we have responsibility. Uh, we're blessed so that we can be a blessing, not just so that we can be blessed, okay? Now, let me quickly review some things because I've got a lot to uh, cover tonight. Uh, as I've stated over and over, I've come to discover that much of ministry is people repair. There have been decisions, there have been directions, there's been traumatic things, there have been a million minuscule things that have impacted us, affected us in ways, and we need repair. So a lot of ministry, and I'll say it, a lot of ministry in this room has to do with people repair. And then the other end of ministry is people prepare. And we're hopefully doing a healthy amount of that in this room as well. And, uh, and that is a large target of what we're doing in the rest of the building, uh, on the rest of the property tonight, you know, with, uh, we've got high schoolers and junior hires and, and all the way down to newborns, you know, even newborns get sung over and the word read to them and, and so forth, um, uh, and prayed over. So we people prepare because we've got a goofy world. How many of you, by your estimation, it's getting a little goofier. Okay, and it just keeps getting notched up a little bit. But don't let that overly concern you. Let it wake you up uh, to some things. But understand that the darker that darkness gets, the brighter the light shines. And um, God is not done. Okay, God is not done. Now, we have also seen that there are parents, teachers, siblings, neighbors, coaches, fellow students, teachers, there's strangers, there's all kinds of people that have had impact in our life. And we have certain needs, and I won't go through all of those needs, 
But when those needs are not met in our life, uh, we're wired in such a way that there's a good end of this, but the bad end of this is this. Uh, we feel responsible somehow. You know, let me, most children, I went, I went through this even. When my parents divorced, um, I somehow thought if I'd been better, if I'd behaved better or whatever, that that wouldn't have happened. You know the reality? It was not my fault one single bit. Y'all hear me? And I know of people that have been victims of other abuse or neglect or, or what a rejection or whatever, and they somehow blame themselves for that. And and we've got to help our children with those things. Okay, adults need to be adults, and, and adults need to help children along the way, and never discourage or divert children. Are y'all here? Okay. And what happens though in our life as we as we come up when we have either unmet needs. You know, certain needs weren't met in our life of affirmation or, or just, you know, daily um, physical needs that are needed. You know, that'll create mindsets in you. If you were poor, very, very poor as a child, that's going to affect how you deal with things later on. And if you were a spoiled brat as a child, that's going to affect how, things, how you deal with things later on. You know? And so if we have unmet needs... And then if we have also and or traumatic events that would happen in our life, then we end up in our adult years then trying to somehow fix that. And again, hurt people hurt people. You know, if we have hurt and, and we, we try to pay a debt that isn't really ours to pay, it's a debt that we really cannot pay. And so that leads me to this statement, all behavior is need motivated. Now, this is not psychology. This is the way we're set up. And all behaviors need motivated. So if we're only trying to modify behavior and never addressing the need, then we're, we're going to continue to have behavioral issues, you know, in our life and anybody's life. So what do we do about this? Well, here's what we do. We find a source and we become a new creation in Christ Jesus where the old things are passed away and all things have become new. That was actually good news. That was like, you know, we, we should have like a little sign up that says, now, amen, applause, something, you know, okay. But if any man is in Christ, that's where we've got to get. If you are in Christ, if he is in you, then you are a new creation, a new creature. And behold, all things become new and the old things are passed away. And we have to find out our new identity in Him, our new provision in Him. But we also have to kind of process some things to overcome our upbringing. And that's, that's what we're talking about. So last week, uh, I gave you a couple of things on this. I'm going to go a little bit further on this tonight. And then we'll wrap it up, as I said, next week. First thing you have to do is you have to admit it. You, you have to face it. That this happened in my life. That... This happened. This was our... I like to put it this way. You have to know your story. You have to know your story. Now, I don't think that you need to come up with t-shirts and coloring books and, you know, songs about your story. But you need to know your story. Uh, because, again, what you get healed and helped from, you're going to be able to relate to somebody else there. And, you know, if you were broken and now you're healed and whole then when you find a broken person, you're going to have something to give to them. 
You're going to be able to relate to them. Did you know the number one reason beside redemption that Jesus came was to relate to us? He came into this world so, and put on flesh so he would know what it is like to be you and I. And then he was touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But you need to know your story. So you need to admit the past truth. This happened in my life. This was our situation. This was our family. Here's when the horrible thing happened. Or we never were able to do this. You need to know your story. Second thing is you need to address it. You need to address it. And that is you not only have now faced it, now we begin to deface it. And by address it, you need to speak to it. And, and I shared this with you last week, and it's probably the most powerful thought that we looked at last week. Your life is never going to change until your words change. Okay? Your life is never really going to change until your words change. It is important what we are speaking. And every thought and every word that is counter to who you are now in Christ Jesus, you need to counter those words with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, Jesus dealt with the, the devil by saying, it is written, and he had a corresponding now rhema word to be able to speak back to that situation. And, and you need to know that. If you've been forgiven, and yet your conscience and the devil tries to bring things back, you know what you need to say? I am forgiven, and I am cleansed. Okay? He is faithful and just, I am forgiven and cleansed. Okay? And, and whatever the situation would be, you need to know the Word of God. I can't tell you that enough. I tell you that every time. But you need to know the Word of God so that you can uh, skillfully use the sword of the Spirit to address your past, your present situations, and so forth. The Word of God is the answer. You're going to have all kinds of think tanks and programs and government funding and everything else. But if you leave Jesus out of it, you're not going to get anywhere. Okay, you're going to waste a lot of time and money. You've got to have Jesus. You've got to have his word. And well, what difference does that make? I'm telling you what, it makes a supernatural difference. We can't explain fully how it does it. But I'm, I'm telling you what, Jesus and his word have come to make you whole, to buy you back, to deliver you, and to get you going somewhere. Amen? All right. Now, remember that the only true reflection of who you really are is found in God's Word. And, and so, guess what? The enemy of your soul wants to keep you out of this book. So that's why every day you always have a thousand excuses of why I didn't get into the Word today or why I can't get into the Word today. Why don't you step back just ten feet and look at it and see, see it for what it is? The enemy is trying to get you to keep you out of this book. Because this is the mirror that tells you who you really are. And by looking into the mirror, you're transformed into the same image that you behold. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And so you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to know what He has done for you. You need to know what He will do for you. And you know what? I'd fight about it. I would fight. I got to bed late, late last night for numerous reasons. I got to bed late, late. But you know what? I set my alarm for the same time I set my alarm every day because I was not going to start this day in debt and behind because of things that didn't go the way I wanted them to yesterday. I'll, I'll catch up on sleep when I'm old <laughs> or something, you know. 
But but the thing is, it's important to me. And you know what? I want to get before my maker. I want to open this book. I want the light and the life of the word of God to be primary, to be authority in my life. I've, I've got to have it. You've got to have the word of God. Fight for it, folks. Well, I'm sleepy. Well, every morning when I get up and this message is not about me, I'm sleepy. But it's about priority. And you know what? If you're thirsty enough, you'll get out of bed. Do you hear me? Thirsty enough, you'll get out of bed. And you need to hunger and thirst for God's word. You'll, your life will never be the same. Amen? All right. Now, I want to talk tonight, and I actually taught about this a little bit earlier in the year, but we've looked at pretty much that you need to admit it or face it, your, your past, your story, and then you need to address it or deface it. And the third thing is, and this is where we want to zero in a little bit tonight, is you need to forgive. And this is huge just all by itself, but it ties into this. Let me just quick informal survey, not trying to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that. But how many of you had somebody do you wrong at some point in your life? Okay. How about in elementary school? No, for real. Come on. I had a mean teacher in second grade. She'd walk me to the lunchroom, sometimes hold my ear. I was not a mean kid. I was just busy. There's a difference, you know. Uh, well, that bothered me. You know, there are all kinds of things. We were poor. Uh, my parents went through a divorce, and then, you know, we went from Wonder Years neighborhood to we, we were poor. And I won't go into all of that. And you know what? That, that impacts you. That impacts your confidence in a million situations, especially in those formative years. How many of you had some situations, something like that? Or some, some, how many of you can remember some, some situation where somebody said something to you or about you and it embarrassed you or hurt your feelings, okay? Guess what? You remember it. And then some of you have had some horrible things said or done to you or some things you wished had been said to you that nobody ever said. We've, we've talked about that as well. And you know what? Those things have impacted us. And we, we have dents and we have scars, and people have hurt us along the way. And so we have to, we got to forgive. Now I understand on Sunday I wrote some word up there that had an extra letter in it, but it's all right. I haven't graduated yet, so. All right. Everybody say forgive. Now, let me read a few things to you and I'll comment on some of these. We tend to view forgiveness as a gift that benefits the one who has hurt or offended us. We tend to view forgiveness as a gift or benefit to the one who's hurt us or benefited us. I'm going to forgive them. And so we're hesitant to give forgiveness. Because here's kind of the question. Why do I want to give something to somebody who's already taken something from me? Well, when we think that way, we're not fully understanding forgiveness, okay? Because forgiveness is a gift and it's designed to be given to us. It's something that we give ourselves. Are you hearing me? When we forgive somebody, we forgive them, but we gift ourselves. And we're going to see how this kind of plays out here as, as we go. 
we benefit the most. I said we benefit the most. Uh, I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry a long, long time. But just a few months ago, I found myself in a situation where I realized, you know what? I need to forgive this person. I need to, I, I've been holding something for a while. And, and I realized I need to forgive them. And you know what? I purposed in my heart. And I'm telling you the instant that I, within the 30 seconds that I purposed in my heart to forgive, I started breathing deeper. Something came untied that was knotted up. I gave myself something. It felt so good. I started thinking, is anybody else I can forgive? You know? <laughs> it's good for you. It benefits us. In Matthew 18, verse 21, in today's English version, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? That's kind of our attitude. How many times do you have to forgive him? And then he suggests generously seven times. And you know what the Lord said. Seven times 70. What's the point of that? Who's counting? It's who's counting. So Peter asking how many times, how many times do I have to do this? His, he, he's saying, when is enough enough? But if I understand this to be a gift to myself, that this is going to benefit me, this is going to free me. See, Peter's question, how often do I have to do this? How many times do I have to do this? When is enough enough? You know what Peter revealed by his question? That he didn't understand forgiveness. That he didn't understand forgiveness. And what I'm hoping to do tonight is help you to see forgiveness a little bit better so that you can receive the gift that comes when you do forgive. See, here's what happens. They took something from me. They hurt me. They embarrassed me. Whatever it would be. So we at some point want to say this. We want to say, you owe me. You owe me or I will get you back. Or somehow this will be repaid. And see, what we're after is we feel it's now out of balance. Because here was life and everything was balanced and then somebody took something from me. They took something from me. And so you owe me. You got to pay me back. I will get you back. And what we're after, follow me, we're after a transaction. We want some kind of transaction to take place that will balance it back again. We want an apology. We want restitution. You're going to pay me back. You got to do me favors. You're my slave for life. You know, whatever it would be, we want this transaction to put everything back into balance. But here's the reality. In most cases, what was taken, what happened, can never be replaced. Think about it. What happened can never be undone. You know, if somebody embarrassed you in front of everybody else, they can't undo that. You know, if somebody hurt you, how they hurt you, they can't, they can't take that pain back. And, and they could never, the reality is they could probably never pay you back even if they wanted to pay you back. And plus, here's the reality on, a, on another hand, maybe they're not even alive anymore. And so what do we do with this? Because this is out of balance and we need some kind of transaction to, to set it all, all straight. Because here's, here's the truth. Some things are gone forever. Let me give you a, a, a little list. Time. You can't get back time. Money. A relationship. Innocence. An opportunity. 
a season. We could go on and on and on that what was taken, what was damaged, what was denied, what, whatever happened, whatever was perpetrated, that can't really be undone. And yet we find ourselves sitting and waiting out somehow for somebody to fix this. I want a transaction. I want somebody to fix this. But, you know, apologies are good. And between, between believers, between family, you need to do all that you can, when you can, to make something right if you've hurt somebody. Okay? And that's a whole other end of it. That's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about you overcoming what somebody has done or, or should have done for you in, in the form of forgiveness here. Y'all still here? Now, some people want to seek payback. To, to pursue payback is futile. And to sit and wait for an apology or restitution or whatever it would be, guess what? That just sets you up for more pain. I've met people that for 20, 30 years, I'm not exaggerating, for 20, 30 years, they're waiting for an apology. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know, and until they do this, we're mad at them. And if they step in my yard, I got my shotgun and my dogs and everything else, you know. And we, and we got this mindset that I'm waiting, I'm waiting for this. And to sit, sit around and wait for that, you're just setting yourself up for more pain. While waiting, here's something that comes along in a spiritual and emotional way. Seeds of bitterness. Seeds of bitterness. When you don't forgive, listen to me, look at me, you're going to get bitter. When you don't, but they did this. And listen, you could talk a good talk. You could go before the Supreme Court and you say, they did this, 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 and this. So I, I have, I deserve that they do this. And, and everybody around you says, yeah, we understand you, you know, you've got good cause to be upset, to be, you know, in, in this situation. But what comes to us is bitterness, seeds of bitterness, and they take root And while you're in that holding pattern, it becomes this vicious cycle. Let me read to you this verse, Hebrews 12, verse 15 in the New Living. It says, look after each other so that none of you uh, fails to receive the grace of God. Watch this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grow up to trouble you, corrupting many. It's poisonous and it will trouble and defile you. And it will trouble and defile and corrupt other people. Hurt people. Hurt people and grumpy people are grumpy to other people. It's a vicious cycle. Some people are hurt and so they want to do to others what was done to them. Now let me talk about the pain that you felt that you encountered when you got embarrassed, when you got beat up, when you got, you know, whatever the situation would, would be here. What happens with pain is it makes you be self-centered. And when you're in pain, the only one that you're concerned about is you. I've used this illustration before. Perhaps you'll remember it. You're playing basketball with some buddies and you roll your ankle. Now, before you were all about the team. But now that you've rolled your ankle and it's swollen up real big and you're laying over in the corner, you know, rolling around holding that that ankle wondering if it's broken or whatever, you know what? You're not concerned about team. Suddenly it's all about, it's all about me. And when you're in pain and and guess what? Emotional pain is even worse. And when you're, when you're depressed and when you're bitter and when you're in emotional pain, it is impossible to be kind and gentle and patient with other people. 
So when you see people that are not kind and not gentle and not patient, don't mention it to them, okay? But realize they're, they're in pain. They're in pain. I was in a store the other, the other day and this guy comes in and I just could not believe how he talked to the salesman. I just couldn't believe it. But I, I realized, and I've just stood there taking care of my business. I, get, I didn't get involved and say, you know, sir, I'm preaching tomorrow night. And if you want to come and I can help you with this. Uh, it was impossible for him to be kind. I mean, and the salesman, went, after the guy left, I told the salesman, I said, you, reward the, you get the diplomacy award. Because he, just, he was just kind and accommodating and did all that he could. And there were a couple of times I, I wanted to step in. Say, listen, you geezer, you know, but I didn't because I wasn't in pain. But when you are in pain and I'm talking about emotional pain, internal pain, you know, just like physical pain, you know, it's hard for you to be concerned and care for anybody else. It's impossible for you to be gentle and kind and patient with other people. And so note that when you're watching people, you're, you're going to be able to realize I wonder what their story is. I wonder what their story is. And you can pray for them, okay? And I did pray for that guy. And I apologize for calling him a geezer. All right. Now, let me give you three steps to forgiveness, okay? And, uh, well, gee, I sure wish it was that easy. This will help you, okay? And this is easier to talk about than it is to do, Okay? But we've got to know so that we can then go do. And hopefully these steps will, will help you a little bit. I want you to think of the legal system just a little bit on this. So the first thing you want to do is charge the defendant. Charge the defendant. So in this case, now this is the last time I want you to say this, but you're the victim. Okay? But we're about to not be the victim anymore. The other night on the news, I saw, uh, and I don't know the case, I just kind of walked in and saw it, and a man had been adjudicated guilty in a case. And now the victims, uh, it was a lady, and she said, I am not your victim anymore. They allowed her to speak to the perpetrator. I am not the victim anymore. I'm a victor. And I thought that is very, very important. Is very, very powerful. Those words are freeing for her. I am not the victim anymore. Okay? But in, for our illustration so far, at this point, you are the one who something's been done to you. And so what you want to do is charge the defendant. Everybody say it. Charge the defendant. So you want to you identify what was happened. Uh, what happened. My feelings got hurt. You hurt my body, you took my money, you robbed me of that opportunity, you hurt my self-esteem, whatever it would be. And, and you know, I'm going light because there's some heavy things that have happened in lives in, in this very room here. And what you need to do, this is part of your story, this is part of your freedom. And again, I don't believe in going back in and wallowing in all of that. But we've got to know our story. So we want to charge the defendant. Say it again, charge the defendant. And what you're doing is you're totaling up the debt. You're totaling up the debt because we wanted a transaction, right? We want somebody to make this right. So we're charging the defendant. We're totaling up the debt. Here's what happened. 
I got hurt in this way and you did this and, and you want to total that all up. You want to get that on, out on the table, total up the debt. Here's the second part. Drop the charges. I got quiet. Everybody say it. Drop the charges. You drop the charges instead of pressing the charges. You drop them. Here's four incredibly powerful words. And you need to get these. Okay, you ready? You owe me nothing. Will you practice it? You owe me nothing. And what you do at that point, well, they hurt me and they did this and that, but here's what we're doing. Here's a transaction. We're canceling the debt. Now, now hold on with me because I can, I can almost hear your mental objections. Overruled. You owe me nothing. So guess what? There's no debt anymore. You owe me nothing. And it's not a feeling. If you wait on a feeling, you're probably never going to do this. It is a decision. And it is a decision for me. And here's the other, another important part. And you don't ever even have to say a word to the perpetrator. Sometimes it might not be wise at all. To even be near them. You might not even know where they are. They might not even be alive. But you know what you need to do for you? You need to, you owe me nothing. Now, this does not mean if they're living in local, it does not mean that you have to be best friends again. Because sometimes, you know what? I, I, I said this on Sunday. Sometimes the favor of God will bring people into your life. And sometimes the favor of God will take people out of your life. Now, there are some situations that need restoration. There are people that need to be restored. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about people that either by being evil or careless or selfish have hurt you and damaged you in some way. And we've got to get you free and we've got to get you whole so that you are happy and stable and fruitful and blessed and you can be a blessing in other people's lives. And so... You're not going to do that. You won't be able to do that if you're still tallying up everything. That's just step one. We're tallying it up. You know, uh, charge the defendant. But now, secondly, drop the charges and say it with me. You owe me nothing. And then thirdly, dismiss the case. Dismiss the case. And once it's dismissed, guess what? It can't be reopened. It's done. It's over. It's over. Now, There are times because forgiveness, and get this part, forgiveness does not erase your memory. Now, we're going to talk about forgetting here in just a moment. But forgiveness does not erase your memory. But you know what? When things come back up, this is what we can say. That case has been dismissed. They owe me nothing. I'll be honest without being going in detail. I I told you, you know, recently, you know, I got to I got to forgive this person. Well, since then, there have been times where my mind or the devil or both have brought things back up and you cannot put it back in the pot and let it stew. You have to say, no, they owe me nothing. They owe me nothing. That's all. That's that's done. Gone. Okay. And keep yourself free of that. So charge the defendant, drop the charges, dismiss the case. And you're going to need God to help you with this. And you're going to have to trust him to help you with this. 
And remember that it's not for you. Uh, excuse me, it's not for them. It's for you. Now, whatever God does in their life, let him and his mercy and his goodness do what he does in their life. But this is not for them. It's for you. In essence, what you do is you move them off of your hook. And you put them on God's hook. Okay. And God is going to be able to deal with them better, much better than you and I have ever been able to deal with them by sitting and stewing and doing all this. Now, as I said, it's a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. But if you ask God to help you, God will help you. And you know, when my heart, uh, numerous times over the years, where I've had some big things that I needed to forgive people for, and you know what? I knew that I should do it before I did it. And as you ask God to help you with it, you'll arrive at a place. Continue to say, God, I know, I know. And so remember, we've been talking about this on Sundays. You need to make godly choices based on God's word. Well, the word becomes the authority then. Lord, I know that I need to do this. I need you to help me to get to this place. And it's not a feeling. Remember, we're not waiting on a feeling. It's that decision. And you'll, get, you'll arrive at a place where you know, I am going to do this now. I am going to do this now and God will help you to do it. And I'm telling you what, you'll be so glad. You say, why did I wait so long? Because you will give yourself the gift of freedom, but get them off of your hook and put them over on God's hook (sighs) and breathe deep and thank God and guard your heart. Amen. All right. Let me, let me move on to one other thing tonight. Then you need to. Forget about it. Everybody say, forget it. You say, I can't forget it. Hold on. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. And the New Living Translation, the same verse. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. In the Message Bible, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. means I don't have it all together yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Everybody say forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind. And what? Reaching which, which direction? Forward to those things which are ahead. This is a a decisional, directional thing. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm reaching, I'm straining forward in the Greek. I'm straining for what is ahead. Isaiah 65, 16 says, Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they're hidden from my eyes. Now, this is what we need to do. In John 1, 29, let me just give you this one too. John the Baptist looked up and he saw Jesus coming along and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who what? Takes away. Say it again. He what? Takes away the what? The sin of the world. That's the result. That's the guilt. That's the curse. That's the mess that sin brings. And the Lamb of God didn't just come to forgive you of sin. He came to, he came to make you whole from the sins of others. He didn't just come to forgive people. He came to bring wholeness to people. And the the reason we need wholeness is one of two reasons, either because of what we have done or because of what somebody has done to us. And when somebody has done something to you, I want you to know that behold, the Lamb of God came into this world. We're celebrating. We have lights on the stage and glittery balls because our Savior came to forgive us and to 
and to make us whole. I get so irritated at people that deck the halls and they don't know what they're doing. I just pray that this Christmas you'll be wide-eyed. He came to forgive me. He came to make me whole. I'm going to throw the biggest party I can. That's what Meadowbrook Christmas Live was. It was a huge celebration because the Lamb of God came into the world to forgive us and to make us whole. Amen. And so as he comes to do this, now listen, your memory is not going to be erased. But you forget by not constantly referring to, and I want you to listen to these words, and by recalling, recall to mind, or to remember or attach to the mind. Listen, you've got to forget by not remembering. Now it is in your memory, and you could go there. But if you, and I want you to hear me on this, if you are ever to have and feel, get this, if you are ever to have and feel the victory and the freedom that comes with this, you're going to have to stay out of the past. You're going to have to stay out of the past. How many of you know your way back into the past though? You know why? Because you have blazed a trail. There's no grass grows right there because you keep going back there. Sometimes you live back there and holler out to the present. Sorry, I can't show up today because I'm back here. And I'm not making light of this. I'm depressed today and I'm irritable today and I can't function today because I'm back in the past and I can't show up in the present today. And I have no hope of the future because I can't even see the future because I'm way back here in the past. And what you're going to have to do is realize that Jesus set you free from that past. And you've got to come out. You have everything to do with the steps, the words, the thoughts to get out of there. Get out of there and get up here. Get into the present and let him help you. But listen, you don't have a shot at having and feeling. Do you hear that word? Feeling the victory and freedom that is yours. If you don't stay out of the past, you must stay out of the past. Listen, all of us have things where we could go there. And sometimes I've been in conversations with people and they'll start to talk about something. And you know what? I've actually done this. I can't go there. I've actually just cut them off. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Why? There's nothing for me back there. I've already had the transaction needed to take place to get out of there and to get up here and to see a bright future that Jesus would have for me. I'm overcoming my upbringing. I'm overcoming the things that have happened in our adult life. The things, same things play ahead for us. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about some things that you have to do concerning the future and how we lean into that. Next, next Wednesday night, we're going to talk about that. But folks, I want you to start practicing this. Go to Jesus. Go to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and say, Lord, there's, there's people I need to forgive. Please help me do this. And stop waiting on a feeling. Help him to fortify that. He'll help you to fortify that decision. And you may want to go ahead and start practicing it. You owe me nothing. And remember, you don't even have to get in their presence. They might be in Albuquerque for all you know. You know, I grew up on Bugs Bunny. Sorry. That part of my over my up 
upbringing I liked. But um, listen, it's, it's you, it's God, it's your heart. It's a gift that you give yourself. And uh, some of you, you know what? I think some of you, and I was praying this afternoon, I think some of you before you hit the pillow tonight are going to be able to give yourself a gift. You're going to be able to give yourself a gift. And the Holy Spirit will meet you at that place. And you start to have and feel the victory and freedom that is yours. I'm going to stop right there, but I'm telling you what, the Lamb of God came into this world so that we could overcome our upbringing and all the other trash that's been in our path. And uh, next week we're going to be looking ahead, so make sure you're with us on that. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? All right. Thank you, Lord.